Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 120. What a nice even number. That's a nice even number. I like that. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about, after all. This is Parenting in Real Life. Alan's going to get us started with our Parenting in Real Life moment because he heard it and I didn't. <laughs> so the other day, I think I was putting Jack to bed and I was kind of tired and sort of listening. And then I was listening more and more as the story went on. But he was telling me about this thing at school. I don't remember the full setup, but... Something about his teacher was asking for letters that have L's or end in L or something. But he said, I raised my hand and said, H-E double hockey sticks. But he didn't say that. He said the word. I was like, wait, what? And that's when I started listening better. (laughs) And he said, my teacher kind of laughed. And then the other kids in my class started saying it too. And then she said, we don't actually say that word. And he just kept saying the word. And so at the very end, I was like, Jack, did you know that that's a swear word? And he just got really embarrassed. And he was like, no, because he knows swear words. Um, Some swear words. <laughs> yeah. He's the younger kid in the circle. So unfortunately, he has heard some swear words. But he did not know that was a swear word. So he thought it was hilarious that he found this word that made his teacher laugh and... I felt embarrassed because my kid was cussing at his teacher. Because <laughs> that's not a word that we say in our house either. So. No, we don't. <laughs> well, I feel like that happens all the time, though. As kids are like learning words and stuff, they say words that either sound like swear words or they swear on accident. And, you know, it just it happens. <laughs> I remember my cousins telling me a story. They were driving and they were by some like overpass or underpass or something. And somebody had spelled the F word on the wall. And one of the kids in the car was just learning how to sound words out. And so nobody was really paying attention to him, but they're like, you know, just sounding it out. And all of a sudden they yell, F. (laughs) And they were so proud that they sounded out this word. And they're like, what? Like, look, it says this word on the wall. We don't say that word. We also don't say that word. So this month's sponsor is Trimmy Phone. So we have a code. If you use parenting, you'll get $50 off a Trimmy Phone. Now we have a Trimmy Phone for our oldest daughter. Trimmy is spelled T-R-O-O-M-I. We have one for Cami, And it's a Samsung A12. So it's a legit phone, which is awesome. But with the $50 off, it knocks it down to $129, which I feel like is a pretty good deal for a phone. But we love it because... There's a lot of restrictions on it, and you can decide what apps are on your kid's phone, who their contacts are, who they're allowed to call, who they're allowed to text. And then they also have like a website where you can go and look at the things that they're doing. So it's just a good way to, it's a good starter phone for your kids. Yep. Can't hack it. I feel like other phones, including Apple, I love Apple, and it hurts me to have an Android in the family, but... But there's so many ways around it. Like if you learn the passcode or, you know, hack into the settings and kids are figuring it out. Like that's what the experts are saying is on all these other phones, the kids tend to figure it out and work their way around any sort of protection. This is like from the ground up. It's built on Android, but you can't just like toggle it on and off this. Like it is hard coded with 
the software. So I certainly couldn't figure out a way to hack it. And I don't think you can. So it's been really good. It's limited, but that honestly, I see how our daughter uses her phone and I kind of like it better than the way I use my phone. So it's a really good phone. It can last all the way through high school. Potentially. I don't know. We haven't figured that out yet, but for now it's a great phone. Yep. So if you're looking for a starter phone for your kids, definitely consider TrueMe. That's T-R-O-O-M-I and use parenting, P-A-R-E-N-T-I-N-G for a $50 discount on your phone. And now for our hot mess, hot minute. So we sent out a survey a few months ago just asking our listeners what are some things that they had questions about or what, what are they having a hard time with. And some of these things we thought we had a few tips for. And so we thought we would do a speed round and just go through a couple of the things that people had some questions about. And so we have four parenting topics that we are going to be discussing today. Like speed dating, but parenting style. Yeah. Question one. How do you set up boundaries while also giving freedom? We're not sure what this freedom is. We are a pure boundary family. <laughs> so we couldn't answer this question. Question two. No. <laughs> Go back. We did have some ideas for this. I like to give my kids more freedoms than probably other parents do. I think Alan might be the opposite of me. <laughs> Maybe. I think we're both, like, we both want to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So we thought the first thing that we need to do is just when you're setting up boundaries, but also allowing kids to have some freedoms is that your child needs to earn your trust. So kind of like what we were just talking about the Trumi phones, as we're getting into technology with our kids, we started really simple. I guess first thing we started are the tablets, you know, and which they don't have access to internet. And then we've gotten smartwatches and we use Gab watches. And so our eight-year-old and our nine-year-old have those and they can only talk to us they can only call us and their siblings and now we've gotten into the true me phone so we're just kind of like building a little bit and a little bit at a time and giving our kids a little bit more freedom and we see how they do with that and we can always pull back like you can always take a step backwards like if you find that your kids are crossing lines that they shouldn't be pull back you know but if they're doing well with it you can give them a little bit more and give them a little bit more just kind of like a little step-by-step type thing yep and we've had this conversation, especially with technology, but even on other things, we've had conversations that our goal, and, and these are the things we've said to our kids, our goal is to have you so that you can go be your own independent adult by the time you leave our house. And we don't want you to do that for the first time once you leave. And so we're going to give you more and more responsibilities and boundaries. And then as you are in our trust, those boundaries are going to go away and you're going to set your own boundaries, right? And that comes to bedtimes, we have a bedtime for all of our kids, including our oldest kid who hates it. But we want to make sure that they're getting enough sleep. And so that's another place where we have a boundary and we stick to that because we feel like that's important. But once they show that they can stay up late and not lose their mind the next day, then we start to loosen that boundary. And so it's it's that way, and I think it's good to have that conversation even at a youngish age. I think kids get it like, hey, if you do this, then you know here's the trade-off. And that they understand that if these boundaries are broken, if you go past that boundary, then there's going to be consequences and, and less freedom. And I think sometimes it's okay to let your kid break those boundaries in a safe environment. Like if you're there watching them and helping them kind of through that, allowing them to break the boundaries and see the bad things that happen and then be like, hey, this is why we have these boundaries. So for example, we went swimming 
with Alan's brother and his wife in Arizona, and everyone didn't have floaties on except for Lucy. Lucy had to wear floaties because she can't swim yet, but all the other kids can swim without them. She was so frustrated that she had to wear floaties and she didn't want to do it. She kept trying to like walk into the pool without the floaties. So I was holding her in the water and she was fighting me. She just really wanted to swim. So I just let go of her. And of course she can't swim. So she just starts sinking. And I, you know, I picked her up right up. I was standing right right in front of her. So I just grabbed her real fast. She was so mad at me for letting her go. But she also saw that she can't swim. And without those floaties, she would sink. And so I was just kind of teaching her like, this is why you have to wear floaties. This is why you can't go in the pool without them because you will sink. And so I was showing her in a controlled way of like what's going to happen here. And I, she hasn't really fought us on the floaties anymore. So that may sound a little extreme to some people, but I felt like it was a good lesson for her. Yeah. And I actually think that's an exa- a perfect example of what our goal is as our kids get older is that we want them to have more freedom, but we don't want them to die <laughs> or drown, you know? And so it's all about like, what can we do so that you can have that freedom that you want? You want to stay up late? What can we do to get you there? You're going to need to one, get older. Sometimes there's just physical limits. Our, we have kids that want to sit in the front seat and it's like, sorry, there's nothing you can do. Like your bones aren't ready for the front seat until you're 12. And that's just how it is. Other things you can do something. If you want a phone, prove that you're responsible, prove that you can handle your technology and that we're not going to catch you on places where you shouldn't be. And if we do, then more boundaries go up and freedoms go away. So for us, it's just all about balance. And we kind of feel like there's both extremes, right? Like if you have your boundaries are too intense and too strong then your kids will never know how to handle themselves, right? Like if you never let them mess up and or make mistakes because you're always there to save them, they're not going to know what it's like to fail or to mess up and they're going to struggle as adults. But if you go the other direction and you give them all the freedoms and you're letting them download TikTok when they're in third grade, they're going to get into things that they shouldn't be at a really young age and are not mature enough for yet. And so it's just finding that balance of, what you're allowing your kids to do and what freedoms you're willing to give. And it is hard to find, know that sweet spot. And I think there's a little trial and error in that. And each kid is a little bit different. Some kids are going to need more boundaries and some kids are going to need a little more freedoms. Like you just kind of have to see how it works in your family. Yeah. You're trying to find that balance between floaties at 14 and letting your kid (laughs) jump in the pool and drown. Right. And you just have to feel it out. And I think it's okay to check, right? And see like, yeah, let's try it. And if it's not okay, then set it up in a way that you can remove some of those freedoms and keep everybody in a safe spot. Question two, what are some things you can do to entertain your baby and yourself? This is something that I actually really struggled with when we first had kids. Or I guess when I had my first kid, I was so bored having one baby. And then I didn't want to sit and play with her all day. And I didn't have a job. And I feel like a lot of moms these days usually have like a stay at home job, which I think is awesome because it gives you kind of something else to do. But now you're using usually nap time is now work time. And so I feel like something that you need to do is find a hobby that you enjoy, but probably something that you do with your child. So that way, if you're using your free time to do work or other things that you need to get done around the house, that you're able to still find time for yourself doing something fun that you enjoy, but probably bringing that kid with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There will be people that will be like, oh, isn't it just so great that your kids have so many friends? They must be so easy because they're just always playing with each other. So that's not true. <laughs> 
having more kids to make your existing kids easier is like using a credit card to pay off debt. It is not a good idea. Um, so <laughs> That's not the reason to have more kids. <laughs> yes. You have more kids because you want more kids, not because you think it's going to make the current kids easier. But I think Alexis is right. The more you're doing with your kids, do things that are fun for both of you. And honestly, like little kids just need stimulation. And so just getting out and doing anything is almost good and stimulating for the kids. And luckily, hopefully we're coming out of COVID in a permanent way so that everybody can. You can go places. You can go to museums. You can go to the grocery store. You know, you can go to the library. There's tons of free options to get out. But I think that was huge for Alexis early on. Oh, yeah. I spent a lot of my young mom years getting out and doing stuff. We were at the library every week. Anything free I could find that I could take my kids to, we did. Because I just liked getting out, and Mm -hmm. it seems like the kids did better, too. I would just find adventures for us to all do together and go out and do. And some people were like, isn't it stressful taking all your kids out? I'm like, it's more stressful to be in my house all day with all my kids. And so I would rather take them out, and I felt like that was a little bit easier than just keeping them home all day where they were tired of being at home. Another awesome thing for young kids. I don't feel like we're perfect at this, but one resource that we have loved that is really good is a busy toddler. She has gift guides for every age, like from a baby up through 12 or something like that. And her gifts are awesome. They're all like really, what do you call those? Like interactive. A lot of them are educational type toys. But not boring educational. They're just like really high quality, no lights and buzzers, no sounds, no batteries for the most, I think maybe exclusively. So it's about like building a kid's imagination. Her toys are awesome. We've loved every single one we've gotten. And she doesn't make any toys. She just recommends good ones. But everything she recommends has been really good. So do encourage that. Question three. How do you potty train at night? So for basic nighttime potty training what we have done is that once our kids are potty trained i'll usually wait an additional year until i do nighttime potty training because i just feel like that allows them to get used to being dry all day and then i'll just kind of see how they're so we do a pull-up at night so i just see are their pull-ups dry in the morning or are they so wet a lot and then once i feel like they're dry more consistently we'll try to potty train at night now lucy i tried to a few months ago to have her potty train at night and she kept having accidents. So I just was like, okay, we'll just wait a little bit longer. And we just recently stopped doing pull-ups again and she's good. Like she hasn't had any accident in, in weeks. And a lot of it I think is just waiting for them to be old enough to be able to go through the night without wetting the bed. Yep. Now I worked for good nights, which is a company that makes nighttime diapers for older kids and so maybe my view is a little bit skewed just up front. That's my disclaimer. I was indoctrinated on this stuff, but they've done a ton of research because they're invested in finding out when are kids having accidents. And what they found is that most kids, like 90 plus percent of kids grow out of bedwetting without any intervention, but it's not until you get to like 10 years old that they grow out of it. And so for a lot of people, that's a long time to wait, right? Like you want your kids nighttime potty trained by the time they're three or four and 10 years is a long ways away. The research that they did at at good nights found that all of the interventions don't work consistently. And so they encourage, obviously they encourage you to not intervene. 
that you just wait, that this is something that kids will grow out of, like almost without fail. And that's assuming they don't have some sort of underlying condition. If they have a learning disorder or a medical condition, there are things that will make it so kids will wet the bed forever. But most kids don't have that, and so they will grow out of it. It's kind of like if you imagine a bell curve, there's some kids that are weird and stop wetting the bed at 18 months, and then it shoots up, and we're like at four years old. That's the majority, about half of kids have potty trained themselves at night at four years old, and then you're at like 80% by seven and 95% or something like that by 10. So if you're on the back half of that curve, it can be really painful. Luckily, we don't do sleepovers. So until they're 12 and they're going on like scouting trips and stuff like that, our kids don't have to interact with the fact that they have like, I, I we haven't felt a huge rush to get them out of pull-ups, even though it's expensive and that, that part's annoying. So anyway, that, that's been our take. However, I will say I've had siblings and, and family that really struggles with this and they have found that beepers work. So, so explain a beeper. So a beeper is a little sensor that you hook to their pants at night and it detects moisture, even tiny amounts of moisture. So the idea is that right as they begin wetting the bed, this really loud beeper wakes them up out of their really deep sleep and trains them like, oh, when I'm about to do this, I should wake up. And it, is, it makes for some painful nights, but for them, it's been worth it and it's worked. So we're kind of skewed because of where I worked and because all of our kids have been nighttime trained on By their four. own before five. Yeah. And so that's just our perspective. We know that there's other people that have it much harder and it is really hard emotionally. Wetting the bed is really, really hard on kids. It's one of their biggest fears. Like Good Nights has done a bunch of studies on that too. And so... Making them feel normal, I think, is important. Um, not making them feel like they're doing it on purpose. It certainly isn't that. They're asleep, for heaven's sakes. Like, they're not doing this on purpose. So, try not to go too crazy would be my only recommendation. But there are some things that, that have worked for some people. So, good luck. And then our last question today is, how do you stop the whining? So, I actually had a story just the other day. Our eight-year-old said something, and he was definitely whining. And I just kind of looked at him because it surprised me. I was like, what? You are too old to be whining. (laughs) And so I just was like, okay, try that again, but without whining. And it took him like three or four times to say it. I kept like, okay, that was still whining. Let's try again. And then he knew what he was doing. And so he was like, oh, and kind of rolled his eyes. And he was like, okay. And then he said it right. But I was just like... I mean, even your eight-year-old can whine. So this isn't just a toddler problem. This can be even up to teenagers if we don't correct it at a young age. Yeah. And that's our favorite tip for whining is just say you can't understand them. And usually there's a lot of truth in that because when a kid's whining, it is hard to understand them. So don't try and interpret. Just keep on saying, I can't understand you. Can you say it more clearly? Can you say it without crying? Can you say it without whining? And even for Lucy, who's our four-year-old, She'll come around. It takes her three or four times too, but she'll eventually they'd rather be heard than than whine. And so that is a good one to get them out of that. I think and make sure you just do it in a calm way too. Just be like, oh, you know, I can't understand you unless you use a normal voice, you know, instead yeah. of like getting frustrated with them or whatever. Just 
talking to them, like having a conversation, like, oh, I, I wish I could help you, but I can't really understand you, you know? Mm-hmm. Put some water on their fire. The other thing I will say is sometimes our kids whine because we aren't good listeners. We have a lot of kids. Things can be really crazy. And so, I am really good at tuning out the, oh my the kids' gosh. voices. We can't go there. Uh, Alexis just can like, she has built in noise canceling headphones just in her ears. She can like be in a room full of screaming kids and hear none of it and like be productively working. It's amazing. And annoying if you're the spouse <laughs> that can hear every whine. No, I think one of the reasons why our kids whine is because they're desperate for our attention. And so if that's the case, then you need to make sure you're listening to kids and you're giving them a chance to talk to you without escalating to whining. That said, once you're listening to your kids, then if you're responding to whining, you're rewarding it. And that's hard to remember because they're punishing you, but You've just like, this is Pavlov's dog. If they learn, when I whine, I get better results, they will continue to whine. And that's why you see teenagers that throw fits and have behavior issues and their parents just bend for them because when they're embarrassed or don't want to deal with the whining or whatever. So don't do that. You have to bite the bullet at some point. And the longer you've let this go, the harder it's going to be. Just got to push through it and stay calm and say, I can't help you until you stop whining. A tip that I had heard a long time ago when Cammie was really small was to whine back at them because they were saying sometimes their kids are whining and they can't tell that they're whining, like they don't hear it. And so if you do a whiny voice back, <laughs> then they can, and they're like, then they hear it a little bit more. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing with my voice. So I tried it with Cammie and I feel like it worked pretty well and yeah. she didn't whine very much. And even, <laughs> even on two and three year olds, if you do that, they kind of like, they look at you funny, like what? What just happened? Yeah. And, and I don't know that they fully grasp what you're doing or why you're doing it, but they do sense that like, oh, your voice just changed and it's unpleasant and it's hard to understand and all the things. So it's worked. If you're desperate, you can try that. I think the hard hard thing is to not do that emotionally because you can't escalate if you like start angry whining back at them. You again have to like, it's part of your, I can't understand you. You can start whining to them and say, wow, isn't this hard to understand when somebody's whining at you? So yeah, I think you can judge how, if that would work for your kid or not. Cause I feel like when I was a kid, I used to bite apparently. And so my mom was told to bite me. And that it would stop because, I don't know, you know, I think the kids don't always know that they're biting. So she did it and I never bit again. But I've been told now, like, don't do that. (laughs) You know, like, that was an old school thing that we shouldn't do anymore. Like, don't bite your kid. So this kind of feels like that. Like, maybe, I don't know. You can see if it works out. You're not going to hurt them by whining at them. But (laughs) (laughs) if if nothing else is working, you could just try it and see if it goes. Well, it was fun to have your questions and answer them. So... Feel free to always submit other questions, even if they're quick little questions like this, and we will take them and talk about them because we are experts. <laughs> We're not experts, but we have had a lot of kids and tried lots <laughs> of different things on all of our different children. So yeah. hopefully this just gives you something to try. Another perspective. Yeah. We are definitely not like, this is how you should do it, but this is just an idea something that we try to work for us. You can try it too. If it doesn't, then find another source. Yep. And we'll see you next time. Okay, bye.
Thanks everyone for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Parenting IRL Podcast or find us on our website at parentinginreallife.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.